Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast of board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 415, March Gamer Madness Final Rounds. We like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping bring us you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are wrapping up the final rounds of the March Gamer Madness. Hopefully you've been enjoying your top list of board games of all time that are clashing together in this sports-like competition so that we can say funny things and make decisions on games that are all awesome so it doesn't really matter in the end. Yeah. Wow, that's that was dark, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it does matter in the end. Someone's winning a game. It matters, right? It has, there are oh, stakes here for one of our listeners. That's true. Um, no, it's it's funny. We do this every year. And we're like, yes, this game won. And then every following year, like, what game won last year? It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> There's one person out there who's just like listening carefully. Like, That's what I picked. But, yeah, no, it's it's no, I don't mean it that way. I mean, it is a lot of fun to do. And I think this is especially good year because we're taking our listeners tops games and we're kind of putting them in competition against each other. So 
we like sports. We won't say which sports or which teams necessarily, but sports. So therefore, competition and brackets and games and matchups and showdowns and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. We're we're not those gamers who are like, oh, I don't know anything about the sports ball. (laughs) (laughs) We um, know lots about the sports ball. I'll have you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. If you if you ever see me in, in public anywhere you'll know i usually have a baseball cap on so that's <laughs> i i baseball was my first sport of love um, okay a game of love uh, i'm terrible at it so unlike board games i don't engage with that sport in that way i just watch it um, <laughs> that's how much you love just it. watching board games but it's, <laughs> uh but it's fun to do things like this too because i'm like well i can't play basketball uh and i can't play soccer so let's do weird bracket things with board games Hey, look, if you're going to play brackets, it's March Madness. There's a lot of bracket talk happening out there. It might as well be about something important and fun like board games. Heck yeah. That's what we're saying. (laughs) So again, we're hoping that you're enjoying the cardboard competition that we're having. And we're going to be wrapping it up. So by the end of this episode, you will know which is the top game from all of our listeners. So Anthony, with that said, we are also doing a lot of things, and people should know that upcoming will be at a tabletop convention. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be at the Long Island Tabletop Gaming Expo next week, or this mm-hmm. week. This week, because we record this early. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you're in the area, make sure you head on over to Garden City. We're going to be doing a live podcast on Sunday. Uh Assuming the technology works the way it's supposed to, you will be able to hear that live episode. But if it uh-huh. doesn't work the way it's supposed to, then only if you come. So I oh. can't guarantee anything. <laughs> uh, it, it might be an exclusive lost episode. There's no way to know. Ooh, an exclusive lost episode. People, yeah. there'll be legends built around this. Yeah, I mean, we, we hope that doesn't happen. Just to clarify, <laughs> we, <laughs> we are trying to record it. We are trying to record it. And we will also have two other presentations the day before on Saturday. So this is happening March 18th and 19th. And the day before, we'll have two presentations, one on the practical applications of tabletop gaming and higher education. And myself, Anthony, and our friend Will, who you've heard before, will be talking about all the great things that you can do with tabletop gamings at colleges and universities, whether it's in the classroom, the counseling center, student activities, career development, a lot of wonderful ways to engage with board gaming at college campuses. And then right after, we'll be doing a presentation on gaming across the spectrum. So also, not a surprise, gaming has a lot of mental health benefits. So whether it's for your own personal mental health, allowing you opportunities to grow as a person and heal, or to connect with other peoples and build a community. We have some wonderful guests will be joining us. We have Joe from Geek Therapeutics, and we will also have the whole organization from Guardians Mental Health. This is a wonderful nonprofit organization that we are supporting as our charity organization, and they're all about bringing mental health kits and bringing gaming to people and helping them utilize their best selves in tabletop gaming so that they can help others. So two really great presentations, and as Anthony said, the following day will be the live podcast. So we would love for you to join us there or join us at the table. We will also have a booth in the convention somewhere. We're not sure where yet, but you'll find us. We'll be there. And again, it'd be great to hear you. Great to talk to you. Great to see you and great to game with you. So Long Island uh, Tabletop Gaming Expo 2023 coming up really soon.
All right, so that's what's happening with us out there. Anthony, all our friends are talking about things. What's their question of the week? Question of the week this week. Uh, this is a fun one. I think I've asked this before. Someone said I asked this before, but I think it must have been a few years ago because I didn't remember. Um, <laughs> I asked, Jumanji, but real life, what game would you most want to be stuck in? Mm. So, you know, and the, the premise here is you're stuck there until someone else plays this game. Oh, and no. then you need, <laughs> right? So it ideally it's something popular. And then also you have to win. Otherwise, oh, the no. game takes over the real world. So there's a lot going on. Um, so I got a lot of good answers here uh, over on the Patreon. Again, mm-hmm. if you are a Patreon backer, you can answer the question of the week on the Patreon or in the Discord channel, and you'll be entered into a contest to win uh, one of the prizes um, that we have for you. This week, we have a dice kit um, and uh, dice tower from FanRoll. We'll be shipping that out to the winner. So awesome stuff. We have a prize. Not every week, but every week that we have a question of the week. We're sending something out to someone. Uh, So Christopher kicks us off. He says, I would love to wind up in the world of Star Wars, Jurassic Park, or even Marvel or DC. uh, But those settings would all make a world more dangerous to live in than it already is. So I don't want (laughs) to end up running and screaming for my life. I'd opt to go somewhere more peaceful like the countryside and farming in Agricola. But on second thought, there's a lot of pressure not to starve there. So (laughs) just give me my own zoo and Ark Nova, please. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That, I feel like that'd be even more stress. I don't know, because it's not, <laughs> not only you're running a business or nonprofit, but then you got to feed not just yourself, but all those animals. Mm, gotcha. Um, Tom says first rat, because who wouldn't want to scurry around a junkyard looking for tin cans and calculators to build a rocket to take me to the cheese moon? Nice. I like it. All right, Tom. I love it. <laughs> I guess the assumption there is that you are also a rat in that situation it's not you as a human scurrying around a junkyard okay um, maybe 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 you are uh whiskey punk says flamecraft have cute friendly dragons running shops Aww. working side by side with us that would be so cool and fun um robert says grand austria hotel but only as a guest <laughs> indulging in copious amounts of strudel coffee wine and cake um i'm with you robert yeah i don't want to run the hotel i just want to be there being served <laughs> at the hotel uh in the Discord, we had a few answers as well. So um, Matthew says, going to have to go with Wingspan here. Who wouldn't want to be stuck bird watching with peaceful music? No goblins attacking you in Wingspan. No bosses trying to crush your skull. No zombies trying to eat your brains. What's not to like? I don't know. Some of those birds can be pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a few people actually mention Parks, which... Honestly, I nice. think that would be my answer. That's the one I thought of when I wrote the question. Because mm. you're just going to the national parks and sightseeing, which is something I've always wanted to do. Like, I've been to a handful out west. Sure. I would love to go to all of them. Um, and then the obligatory Takenoko, um and Takedo, both of those oh, yeah. mentioned over on yeah. Facebook. Because, again, just chill, relax. That's literally what the game is trying to do, is a vacation simulator. So <laughs> have fun. Um, unless you're, so yeah, unless you're lots, the- of, lots and lots of good stuff there. Uh, it's, I, yeah, no, I'm gonna stick with parks. I, there's so many cool games and so many fun worlds, but like, like Christopher said, most of them will kill you. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, I think all the sci-fi fantasy stuff is pretty dangerous. I think the safe bet is a nice, idyllic little cottage community, maybe like Stardew Valley. You know, it's just. 
you're just doing vegetables and you're meeting people and stuff like that. I guess my answer, the one that popped into my head initially right off the bat was on Mars. Mm. Because I like that idea that we've technologically advanced far enough that we can actually go to Mars. But it doesn't seem like there's anything crazy happening. So as long as we don't put the expansion in it, I think we're fine. <laughs> don't include right, the expansion yeah. into the Jumanji equation and we're good. Yeah, yeah. So like we're going on Mars. But let's pretend that never happened. This amazing expansion happen. doesn't exist. I know. Cause... And the world is decorated by Ian O'Toole. So I'm 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 down with that. Ooh. Ooh, that's a good one. I didn't think of that. Yeah. But yep. Yeah, same with parks. It's it's very pretty. Um Yeah, so lots of good answers. Thanks, everybody. I I, I feel like this is one of those ones that we could go on. We could probably have a whole episode of just like top ten worlds to get stuck in. Um but uh, our winner this week, again, going to send out a, a prize package from FanRoll. Uh, so I have some lovely uh, dice in there as well as a, a dice tower. It is Christopher Megan on Patreon. Thank you so much for backing us, for participating, for answering uh, the question, for remembering that you might starve to death in Agricola. So that's not a great place to go. Um, great answer. All right. Well, thank you all for giving us your jumanji worlds and again you can hit us up on facebook and twitter boardgamersanonymous.com a great website for everything board gaming would love for you to join us there as well and again patreon.com thank you for your support whatever you do it means a lot all right everyone so that's what's going on with you out there so anthony i think it's time to get back to the games that we really want to hit the table let's talk about our acquisition disorders all right uh so it's like a weirdly light time. I feel like I say this every March. I don't know why. It, it just like you, you log on, we do this every week. I'm like, what's going on on Kickstarter? What's going on on GameFound? What are the big games that everyone's excited about? Um, and every now and then I go in and there's nothing that I'm excited <laughs> about. <laughs> um, but that's not a bad thing because then I start digging a little bit deeper. And it's not just like, oh, here's this big miniature box that everybody wants. Um, so there's a campaign running on Kickstarter right now called Reviving Katmandu. Um, this is from a team, uh, Lemery Games. They've done a couple of Kickstarters before. Uh, little lighter things, very pretty um, games. Um, Bogchal, uh, Ancient Game of Nepal, and then uh, Chili Mafia. So like a <laughs> little chili pepper card game. Okay. So this one is, seems to be in the same like weight level. Like it's a 20 to 40 minute bidding game. Uh, one to six players, eight, eight and up. And it's about building a city, uh, rebuilding a city in Kathmandu, right? So the, the game itself looks interesting, right? You have all these different um, cards that represent different parts of the city and you're trying to play them out. And there's a bidding mechanism to try to collect the pieces that you want effectively and to build up these buildings. Um I like a good bidding game. I especially like it when it's like all out in front of everybody and, you know, you have to think out when you're going to bid and how you're going to bid and try to collect uh, a set based on those bids. Um, it doesn't specifically remind me of Furnace, but a little bit reminds me of Furnace, right? And like that kind of bidding mechanism where it's all on a board in front of everybody, right? Um, so the game looks interesting. It looks cute. The other part of this campaign though that's interesting to me is it's not just about the game right so they're talking about uh there's there's a significant uh, earthquake in 2015 in the Kathmandu valley that destroyed 
thousands of buildings, right? So they ran a campaign um, a while back and then donated some games to kind of help out throughout that, those efforts. And they've worked with All Hands and Hearts Organization's Nepal Relief Program. Um, and you can't donate, you can't use Kickstarter to gather money for charity. They've It's just one of their rules. You can't do that. So they have a game. You're backing the game. You're getting the game. But what they've said is that if the game's successful, which it is already, they're going to donate some of the funds from future sales to help this effort, right? To rebuild um, a school uh, in Kathmandu. So it's a cool thing. I like it. It's very well thought out. It's very, it's not just like, oh, we had a cool idea and let's just throw this up there. Like obviously a lot of work and thought has gone into this and they've been working on it for years and they've done similar campaigns in the past. Um, But I like that it's not just, I don't know. It doesn't feel like a throwaway thing, like a lot of these things often do. Or, oh, hey, give us money because we're also going to do this nice thing on the side. It's just those are the values of the company, right? You know, we want to make a game. We want to get it out there. And if we're successful, this is how we plan to use our funds in the future. So um, reviving Kathmandu, it's on Kickstarter for a couple more weeks. Um, they fit their goal and everything. But if if you're looking for a lighter, like, bidding-style game um, with some, you know, uh, cool-looking artwork, uh, this might be up your alley. Nice. Love this. Love this idea. Love this game. Great. All right. Well, I want to talk about, I think, the opposite of that. Hey, it's a money grab <laughs> game. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, it is what it is, right? So, Fantasy Flight has decided to, I don't know, I don't know if we want to say necessarily it's a re-release or a re-implementation, but they have recently released Star Wars the deck building game. This comes from Fantasy Flight Games and is yet another of their, I would say their LCG line. I mean, the designers here are from their LCG line. This is not an LCG game. This is a game in a box. And it's a two-player game. You'll be playing either as the Rebels or the Empire. And it's a head-to-head game. And it's a back and forth with base locations And primarily what you're doing is you start with a deck of 10 cards. Most of those are resources that allow you to buy cards from a market. Uh, Six cards are there for the galaxy deck, which you'll be able to choose from. You have your own rebel cards. The empire has their empire cards and you are getting those cards to build up your deck with more powerful ships and characters throughout. And you can spend resources to kind of build and eventually you'll have an engine of high-level resources to get you better and better cards, and the better and better cards, you'll be able to play to different locations that you and your opponent chooses to put in the main battlefield. So you'll be playing cards against each other. You have your own spots, they'll have their own spots, and it's a back-and-forth game to win those different locations and knock out the other person. So it is your standard Star Wars original trilogy game. There is certainly cards that you know, harken back to the time. This is actual artwork. This is not movie stills or anything like that, but it is an expansion of the Fantasy Flight Star Wars games now by Disney. So I'm always glad to see another Star Wars game. I got to admit it. So I've heard, I haven't played the game yet. I've heard certain challenges. Obviously it's one of those games where since you are only choosing from your particular you know, row market of resources and characters, just by the luck of the draw, you're, you may not get anything good. The other side might get their main characters 
and then you're going to have somewhat of a bad time. But again, that's luck of the draw. That tends to happen in those kind of games, but it can be challenging for these types of games. So again, very much, I guess, similar in some gameplay as far as like Marvel Snap is concerned, where you're playing to multiple locations in order to take out the enemy. Battle line. I mean, there's endless numbers of games like this. So Star Wars, a deck building game. I want to play this. Yeah, same. Yeah, that the most common comp I've seen so far is just it's Star Realms, but with Star yes. Wars, which yeah, it's cool because that's a good game. So I'm fine with that. Yeah. So very cool. All right. So that's everything that's hitting our acquisition. Let's get on to the games that hit the table this week, and we'll let you know if those games are a buy, and you should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, and you should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, and you should avoid them. Or if those games, in fact, are the dreaded burn. And you should torch them. So, Anthony, what do you have up for us this week? All right. So uh, this is a game that we got a chance to play uh, not too long ago. Um, we got together for another game day, and this is one of the games that hit the table. Uh, Damage Control. So oh. this is from WizKids, uh, designed by Omari Akil. Um, and uh, Omari previously made Rap Gods, which is a, a great game. Uh, that mm-hmm. It's still relatively hard to find, um, but it just it does a lot of interesting things. Uh, so this... This is not very similar, I don't think, um, other than maybe the weight and the length. Uh, Rap Gods is a pretty straightforward, relatively short game. This is also straightforward and relatively short. And ironically, it's kind of a similar size box. And I don't know, some of the mechanics overlap with like a Star Wars deck building game. But it's also trying to do a few clever, unique, different things. So in the game, you play as a member of Damage Control, which in the Marvel comics is... Uh, an organization that basically goes around and cleans up the cities after the heroes are done having their fights. Um, it's always funny. It's tough tongue in cheek. Like at some point they tried to make a TV show with this and it just didn't work because it wasn't very funny. <laughs> like as an office show. Um, but it's a cool IP that I wish they would do something with like uh, in, a, in a TV show or something or a movie. The game pitches itself as a deck builder, right? So you start the game with a, a small hand of cards, I think five. and you on your turn have to play everything out of your hand right so each card you play will have a cost on it some of them don't have any cost you know the starting cards especially but you have to pay that either with other cards or with the uh, currency that you've accumulated right because you can accumulate that through various actions um you place these cards into a row above your personal player board that indicate which actions you've taken Right? So there's several different types of actions you can take. Some of them will clear rubble. Some of them will flip cards over. Some will add cards to the rubble. Um, and the rubble is the big player space in the middle. There's a frame that they give you, and then you drop a bunch of cards face down and then put a few face cards, face-up cards into that space. This is literally you cleaning up the mess <laughs> that the heroes <laughs> and the villains made. Um under those cards, when you flip them over, are different artifacts. So there's some base level artifacts, things that are in every game, like Chitauri tech and stuff. Um, and then there are like thematic ones. Like, so you have um, like the Asgardian deck will have a hammer and Loki's destroyer and the winged helmet, right? Uh, and these will be thematic in different ways. They'll do specific things. Um, like they might be meaner towards other people, for example. Um, and so to grab these cards, you just have to pl- take an action that lets you t- 
take one of them into your hand. And when you get one, you put it directly into your hand, which is cool. Like you are actually building your deck, but you don't have to put it into discard. And the reason for that is that the game is very short (laughs) because if you don't get it right in your hand, you may not get to play that card. Um, And then once you've played out all your cards, you can see if the symbols on those cards let you buy one of the heroes from the the shared display. So there's a, a river of cards that are always available five of them, and these are specific heroes that you can partner with and give you special abilities or in-game scoring conditions. And if you have the right combination of icons in front of you from that, what you played that round, you can take one of those cards and put it into your tableau. You can have up to three of them. So you go around and you do this and you do this and you do this until you either run out of hero cards or the rubble's all cleared. Um, It's a clever mechanic. I had fun with it. I thought it was an interesting way to approach deck building in that... The cards, you have to actively engage with the rubble to find the cards that you want. Um, And if you don't like the cards that are there, you can take actions that flip new ones over or drop new ones onto the pile. So you're not stuck with like a small pool. You still can't control which ones show up. Um, And you might have, you know, when a new card is revealed in that rubble, you often have to do something. Sometimes you have to drop more stuff into the rubble based on the the event icon that shows up. Sometimes you have to clear uh, cards out of the the purchase offer from the heroes. So if you wanted to get a certain hero card, now it's gone, right? So there's a lot of dynamic elements going on there. My main issue with the game, um, if I have one, is that it was kind of short, right? Like it's, and it says it's short. It says it's a 30 minute game and we started playing and I'm like, no deck builder is ever 30 minutes. That seems weird. (laughs) But that hero deck cycled so fast with four people. It did. So fast. I think we each got four turns in the game. Um, and you can do a lot on your turn after like the first round or so, mm-hmm. but it still just felt so short, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I might only want to play this with two people and it's a smaller rubble space. So maybe that would clear out faster. Um, but with four people, I just, there's a lot of downtime because it's a deck builder and you're waiting for other people to take their turns and you don't get to do very much, even for like a 30, 40 minute game. Right. Sure. So it's not a, it's not a death knell for me. It doesn't make me hate the game. It just makes me hesitant to bring it for like a game night situation it's like maybe something i would play with my son or bring along as something to play you know on the side as as a quickie um so marvel damage control um i think it's clever i love that we're thinking about deck building in new and creative ways um i think it's very thematic for what it is it's not just like slapping the marvel ip on something like the game mechanics match the ip of damage control which is awesome um and I'm excited to see, like, they could add other decks to that. Like, you have, right now, you have, like, the Mighty Asgard module, and there's, like, I think three other modules. There's, like, Doctor Strange, um, a couple others that offer different mechanics. More of that would be cool, too, right? But overall, uh, it's a play for me. Uh, I think it's a fun, clever, quick game that uh, I will certainly get to the table more in the future. Um, I think if if it had just a little bit more longevity, it's weird. I usually don't say, I want the game to be longer. Usually <laughs> they say a game short and it's not. But in this case, sure. like, just, it felt like it ended maybe a round or two too early. And mm. we didn't really control that because that was just, those icons kept coming up and we kept having to clear out cards. Sure. But otherwise, good stuff. It's fun. Marvel damage control. Yeah, this is a play for me as well. I think this fits surprisingly nicely into that kind of gateway game situation once you you know conceptually understand what you're doing because when the game starts there's a bunch of face down cards and you have a 
you know, a couple cards in your hand and you have to do a thing. And then again, there's a lot of iconography in this as far as like, you know, picking up, throwing down, arranging things, paying for things like that. But once you get past like that first or second round, it makes complete sense of what you're doing. And the deck that you're building is rather small and the cards that you're putting out and the heroes and sometimes villains, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> that you're putting into your, your play area is also rather small. So mm-hmm. it is a conceptually it's such a brilliant idea to say that like, look, this is damage control. Look at all the damage. And as you reveal the cards, a lot of that is different technologies that you can pick up and utilize in your hand. And a lot of it's, you know, trash battles from battles from comics and from the MCU Marvel Universe. So you probably recognize some of the those things. Maybe it's an Ultron bot, or maybe it's some sort of Asgard technology or Shi'ar technology. And you're like, oh, okay, I kind of remember that. And then there's the generic damage control characters. And you're like, and who? <laughs> like, I understand <laughs> Spider-Man. And like, who's that? And Anthony's like, well, that's the middle manager. They're in charge of like, you know recycling i'm just like all right fine (laughs) like the real heroes here but it's a really interesting you know switch around as far as like usually when you play like marvel 11 legendary the heroes just they're the best thing in the whole world right and then you have like your little shield agents that are just like cluttering up your deck here it's kind of the opposite where the heroes do kind of a thing but they're mostly like on the outside which is thematically true but the bureaucrats and the workers, they actually do most of the heavy lifting. So it's appreciated. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, Anthony. If this is hitting the game night, I'm only going to play this at two because I think that it needs to have that quick back and forth to feel like you're doing something. Plus the mechanic mm-hmm. of making trash available to pick up, I think would be a lot more dynamic in a two-player game because I think mm-hmm. like a uh, cave versus cave where like you flip something open to utilize an ability, but now it becomes available to the other person. I think that, I think that's great. I think that, I think it should, I think it should remain as a two player game. And then unless you're bringing gateway gamers in who want to learn about how to utilize or play a deck builder game, I think then and only then would you play as a three or four player game. Yeah, for sure. Like I I would play this with both my kids. That's three players and that'd be fine. But like with other gamers, I would want that tension to be there. Yeah. And the tension wasn't there playing with four people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Cause revealing stuff like in a four player game, you're like, well, it's just the cost of doing business. But if it's a two player game, then you're going to really think twice. Right. Like, do I really want to reveal anything for the next person? I'm going to make them use their actions to reveal it. I'm going to clear out <laughs> as much as I can. Yeah. It makes sense. Cause otherwise you're just doing that to the person next to you, which is fine. But maybe they're and not I, the one winning the game, right? <laughs> and I think I remarked that it reminded me of Living Forest as far mm-hmm. as when you select cards in Living Forest, that generates fire. So the next the next round, somebody or next player would be able to like take care of that fire. So basically, you're doing something to benefit you, but you're giving someone an opportunity to benefit them as well. So that reminded me of that almost automatically. So yeah, no, this, this is... I, I feel like this game is going to get lost just because there's so many Marvel games out there, I think this is a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, I received a review copy from Underdog Games of Her Story. This came out in 2022. 
And it's a game about writing a book to tell the stories of remarkable women throughout history. So obviously we are celebrating International Women's Day, month, I mean year, just forever, because they've had such a tremendous impact on all of our histories. And yet we don't know enough about the amazing women and all the different things that they've done in the world. So it is a brilliant idea to put it together in a board game. So her story, Iconic Women of History, is mostly a wonderfully giant deck of cards. On one side, you have a beautifully drawn portrait of a woman activist, leader, politician, physicist, chemist, artisan, athlete, any number of different backgrounds, professions, and social, civil rights leaders. So you have Frida, you have uh, Marie Curie, Sacagawea, Joan of Arc, Georgia O'Keeffe, Mary Shelley, Malala, Josephine Baker, Ruby Bridges, Selena. I mean, there's just an endless number of great, I, I think it's 150 some odd cards in the game. And it really gives you an opportunity to really explore history. Now, that alone would make it a good game experience as far as like, oh, I had a game experience. I looked through these cards. I kind of managed them, play them around. But in fact, there's actually a pretty decent game behind this. So basically, you have your own player board and you're a researcher and you're researching her story. You're trying to put together a book of all these famous women and try to get a sense of history and how it's been influenced. So there is a, I guess, a research tableau of all of these famous women. And then below the women, there is these tokens, these research tokens, with different iconography on it. And what you're doing is you're collecting those research tokens in order to be able to learn enough about that famous woman in history to add it to your book. So each of the female characters in the game, they have different icon um I guess you would say like uh, research requirements. It's a recipe fulfillment order completion. So you collect in those tokens, you're turning those tokens in to get the card. The cards are either straight points or they give you a special ability, typically end game special ability, or they give you other icons that you can use kind of like Splendor where you collect the gems and they give you something that you can purchase later on. And basically, you go back and forth with all the other, uh, you know, opponents at the table. You can play this up to five players. And as you collect your cards, you're gaining special abilities and you're gaining victory points throughout. And once you put together eight cards, the game comes to an end. You put all the cards together. That's her story. You count up the victory points. And that's the game. So it is a simple, uh, I guess, in some way, a set collection, recipe completion, order completion in order to get the cards into your hand and then scoring as many points as possible. So this is a pretty good gateway game. And by that, I mean in probably the, the, the way that we talk about gateway games, which is not necessarily like the Catan, right? Everyone's like, Catan's a gateway game. Like it is not a gateway game. That's like next level gateway game. This is a good gateway game because basically all you need to do is collect the right tokens in order to get the right cards into your tableau. That's very basic. You play that in a lot of basic games, but because the cards have special abilities and different types of abilities, that's really where it introduces tabletop gaming or serious gaming that we know. So this is a great game. Good for anyone at the table. It's a play.
Yeah, this is great. I, I, I love, I've not played this, but I've, I love their, um, their other games. I, you know, I've reviewed several of them trekking through, um, history most recently. Mm-hmm. So it, it's great to hear that this works so well and it's beautiful to look at. Yeah. It's a nice production. Everything is high quality. The game comes punched is a really nice bag for the tokens, a neoprene mat to put the, the stuff on there. The game itself comes with stickers and bookmarks and postcards. It's really leaning into the theme of education. And, and I appreciate that. So um, mm-hmm. great production, great little gateway game. Good to get to the table with almost anybody, I would think. I think this is certainly an eight and plus game. I, I can't imagine any kid have a, a real challenge playing this game. Great. All right. So that's everything that's hitting our table this week. Let's get on to our feature review. So, Anthony, our feature this week is going to be the last final rounds of our March Madness. The greatest games from our listeners battling up against each other in cardboard competition. We went through most of this last week and whittled it down. So if you haven't listened to that episode, check back to episode 415. And I think you'll enjoy the first couple of rounds. But, Anthony, now we're on to the later rounds. So why don't you give us a sense of where we're at and what we're doing? Yeah. So. Um... We have we started with 64 games, the top 64 games as picked by our listeners um, back in our November poll, and we narrowed it down to 32 last week. So um, that's the big blowout episode. Like like you said, Chris, like go check that out if you haven't listened to it yet. That's where we talk most about the games. Mm-hmm. Um, we found historically that if we talk about them that much through every round, it becomes very long and a little repetitive. So this time around, it's it's more like a lightning round. We're gonna like these matchups are every game on this list was good, right? We had sixty four games. This is the top sixty four. They're all amazing. Um, but that you know we're narrowing it down and narrowing it down. So like these are among the very best. Um, and so yeah, we have thirty two left. We're gonna run through them. Just. One by one, uh, one matchup at a time until we have one game left, because that's how tournaments work. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, sports. <laughs> Yay, sports time. All right. All right. So, so who's it first? First up, we have uh, from our first bracket, number one, Terraforming Mars versus number eight, Lisboa. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't want any part of this. All right. Well, I mean, both of them are re, I guess, are both of them are building up a civilization on grounds that do not seem the best for a civilization. So whether you're terraforming Mars or you're rebuilding Lisbon after all the different tragedies, I guess if I have to rebuild something, it's going to be Lisboa. (laughs) Um, That's a, that's a funny way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with terraforming Mars here uh, because it's a little more accessible and I don't have to reread the rules every time I play it. Oh, come on. Lisboa is not that bad. I love Lisboa. I just, it's hard to get to the table. So that's true. Every six months when I go to read the play it, I'm like, I don't remember the rules. All right. Well, that leaves it to our listeners, Anthony. All right. The listeners on this one, um, it's very close. Actually. I'm surprised like these Vitala Serda games, when we do these matchups tend not to get a ton of votes because they are dense. They're hard to get to the table. Like I said, but terraforming Mars is it's terraforming Mars. Just, <laughs> it's terraforming Mars. Free people. Terraforming people Mars that, moves yeah. on to the next round. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we have number twelve, Terraforming Mars. Oh no! <laughs> <Eric's> expedition. <laughs> They're everywhere. Or pandemic. Oh, I mean, this is going to be Terraform Mars, Ares Expedition. I-, I think the card play here just brings Terraform Mars to the next level. Pandemic is great, great mechanic, but 
Terraform Mars Ares of the Expedition. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, Pandemic is an all-time great game, but mm-hmm. on its own, just mechanically, it can be, it's a little dry, right? Terraform Mars Ares Expedition is just a fantastic experience all around. So, mm-hmm. I agree. All right. That means Terraform Mars Ares Expedition moves on to the next round. All right. Next up, we have number 14, Russian Railroads versus number six, Anachrony. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> One, one is one is on rails, and the other one is kind of on rails, but it loops around back. <laughs> uh, uh, this is this is rough. All right, uh, Russian railroads. Yeah, yeah, because it's got. Look, we're including the expansions. We we agreed, so it goes yes. Asian at railroads, which is like epic. So I'm I'm going with that. Yeah, no, because we're including expansions. I'm I'm also with you with Russian railroads. Like, I love Russian railroads by itself. Historically, I always have. Um, <laughs> anachrony I, I, I had love for it it just it it just did a thing that was maybe not the best you didn't love that game until they released more stuff for it which is fine oh, no, I, no, no. I, I said <laughs> it had a thing about it and clearly the designers agreed because when they heard my review they were like look look german railroads we're sorry and i was like bro i gotcha and you know that we hugged it out so i'm saying <laughs> We hugged it out. We did. Um, We're tight. Yeah, no, no. That's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Russian Railroads. It's Anachrony is great, but like I said, I never win that game. And it's <laughs> I, I do remember the rules-ish, Oof. but the abstraction there does require me to kind of cycle back through it each time. Conceptually. Which, uh, this is not my main criteria in evaluating these games is whether I can remember the rules or not, <laughs> but it's come up twice now. <laughs> conceptually it's one of the best games of all time the idea of like that kind yes. of market and being able to jump back and oh fantastic but russian yeah. and fact, it, next round yep um all right next up we have number 10 war of the ring second edition versus number two castles of burgundy um hmm. this is hard because i feel like but the nature of a bracket system is yes. that we have an underdog here, right? Um, and I, I don't know which way you're going, but for me, it's like a no-brainer because War of the Ring is my favorite game and I could run down the million reasons why, um, but I don't need to because I've done that before <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> um, Castle of Burgundy is brilliant, though, too. It's also way up there for me. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's arguably Feld's best game. So it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to say, and you, you certainly get more people to the table... I mean, I mean, War of the Ring, the second edition. If if both games are on the table, I'm playing that one. All right. So War of the Ring, yeah. second edition, moves on next round. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was, <laughs> I was like crossing my fingers because I'm like, I don't think the listeners would have picked that. So I hope you do. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Next up, next little bunch of games we hear. We have number one, Ark Nova versus number eight, Pax Premier, second edition. Wow, this is a rough one. Uh, I mean, Arc Nova is amazing, but can get really up, really long and obtuse, especially towards the end. Pax Premier is precise to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, good, both really good card playing action games. Um, one's cute bunnies, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's a really tremendous, terrible conflict. So. <laughs> But both good productions. Uh, Ark Nova. I mean, 
you're going to get more people to the table for that. I think, I think in the end, of, at the end of the day, it gets more people to the table. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I'm, I'm still picking PAX premier second edition for everything. Go for you it, said. it is like, it is one of the better designed games that has yes. been made because it I is agree. so precise and concise and it does everything it's trying to do. And it, it's trying to communicate about a certain time in history and the effects of the decisions certain um, factions made in those times of history. And it does it really, really well. I think I'll just add to I, that. I think there are certain games that are so good that they surpass their theme and bring in other people who would normally not like that theme just because the game mm-hmm. is fantastic. And I think this is one of those situations. Yeah. Yeah. It does both things really well, which is yes. so hard to do. All right. So that leaves us for our listeners. Anthony, what do they have to say? Oh, yeah. Dark Nova by a mile. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ark Nova moves on to the next round. All right, number five, Quacks of Quedlinburg versus number four, Root. Okay. I mean, this is an easy one for me. I'll just sure. say it. It's Root. It's okay. Root is a brilliant game, also by Cole Worley, which, uh, again, just so not concise and precise. This game's a little messy. Um, mm-hmm. It's on like their fifth or sixth version of the rules at this point, but... And I love Quacks of Quedlinburg, but it's, you know, it's silly family fun. I'm going to go with Quacks. I I do think it's a little bit more than just silly family fun. I I think there is something ingenious about the bag building system. And I don't think it should be totally discounted just because it does, as you, you know, it does have that kind of cartoony, goofy theme. But again, then again, so does Root. I think it's interesting that these both games are matching up because they're both you know, both these games have a beautiful, sunny, cheery, cartoonish exterior, and then deep down they are a serious game. So I'm going to go with Quacks. Mm-hmm. That leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. It does. Yeah, it's super close. And so usually when I do these calculations, it's one of those things of like, well, you know, we can math it out and see how many points they all got. But this one's hard because they don't actually match up that much. Mm. Um but in terms of people who have overall number of votes for the game in the total bracket, um, Quacks of Quedlinburg uh, takes it. I think Root goes further in more cases, but Quacks is got more points. All right, so Quacks moves on to the next round. All right, uh, number 14, Star Wars Rebellion versus number 11, Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Again, a lot of great miniatures at the table, both great designs iconic both games i mean Mm -hmm. i think that's that's Mm -hmm. kind of fair to say modern day classics i would just say rebellion because it says a it it provides a better story uh i got to keep in mind the fact that it's only really a two-player game but i think it's still a better story so i'm gonna go with uh, star wars rebellion yeah you can play with four it's terrible you can do it yeah i mean you could do anything with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can make any two-player game a four-player game if you really wanted to, but uh. yeah, I love these. I love these like three-hour two-player games. They're like you can play with four people. They're like, no, whatever, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, I'm also going to go with Star Wars Rebellion. I love Blood Rage. I love it to death. But uh, Star Wars Rebellion is it's yeah, it's so good. It's again, it's it's a game that Blood Rage might have moved all the way to the final round if it wasn't for this. <laughs> right? Yeah. The power. All right. So that means Star Wars Rebellion moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have another like fortuitous matching. This is these. It's not random, obviously. It's the order that people 
voted on them in, but it's sure. funny when they match up like this. Dominion versus Lost Ruins of Arnak. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, deck builders, kids. Who likes a good deck yeah. builder? I know. I, I've i been on record. I talked about Dominion last week. I did not pick this, but uh, I like deck building if you mix it with other mechanics. By itself, mm. it's a little boring to me. Um, so Lost Ruins of Arnak is one of my favorite games. Dominion is a game that I just, I've kind of actively avoided. So I'm going to go with Lost Ruins. All right. I mean, I, I can't get away from the fact that they're both deck builders. So I'm going to go with Dominion. <laughs> I just can't get away from yeah. it. That yeah. leaves sure. it up to our listeners. All right. Yeah. On our listeners in this case, um, again, like looking at the overall votes, it is Lost Ruins of Arnak because mm-hmm. a lot of people have that one going pretty deep in the bracket. All right. Lost Ruins of Arnak. Move on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number one Scythe versus number nine Kanban EV. So mechs and mechs, can we? Can that be the thing? It's a mech battle. There's factories. There's <laughs> yeah, there's, no, the factories, man. Yeah, and there's uh, mad, I, I guess mech managers in both games. Too. <laughs> you know, especially yeah. if you play uh, if you play uh, Fenris, then you really get to see some some crazy stuff happening. Again, just because it it is in fact the expansions, I'm going to go with Scythe. Um. I'm going to go with Kanban AV. I think it's just such a clean, concise, and actually easy to remember. <laughs> Going back to the rules, I remember the rules for this game because it's all on the board. Uh, is Kanban it, AV for me. Is it? Is it? Is it EV versus Steampunk? Is is that what you're trying? Is that is that is that the? Uh, it's basically alternate energy sources, right? That's what we're going with. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah, that works too. <laughs> all right. So it moves on to our listeners, Anthony. What do they have to say? Our listeners in this case, um, the Lacerda Curse holds strong. Uh, not many people voted for that Kanban. If they haven't played it, you have to play it. Uh, number one, Scythe moves on. <laughs> all right, Scythe moves on to the next round. Uh, all right, next up we have number 12, Agricola versus number four, Dune Imperium. Ooh. Misery Farming versus Spice Farming? Also I mean, Misery Farming. No one's happy misery. in Dune. <laughs> It's true. It's like which farm is which farm is more miserable? I'm not really sure. And both have animals. Just one happens yeah. to be a little more giant than the others. I don't know. I mean, dying of dehydration or getting eaten by a worm might be worse than just like not having enough potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've seen you play Agricola, and it seems pretty worse for you. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I I love Dude Imperium now with all the expansions as they've come out. Um, I've gone on record about Agricola, and I've not played Agricola with expansions and everything. So to be fair, who knows? But Farmers of the Moor, uh, Imperium, yeah, Farmers of the Moor is the uh, the lit the lit expansion. So yeah, I'm going to go Agricola. Let's leave it up to the listeners, Anthony. All right, I, recency bias probably wins out on this one. I, I was surprised actually. Dune Imperium has quite a few votes. All right, Dune Imperium moves on to the next round. All right, next up we have number three, Brass Birmingham versus number six, Azul. Oh, it's not against Gloomhaven? I know. Oh, Gloomhaven wasn't on this list. <laughs> wow. Oh, no, it was. Or we, we booted it out. Yeah, uh, we booted it out. <laughs> people are going to be mad about that. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm, I'm Team Brass. I love Brass. Azul is an all-time classic, and my family loves it, and I own way too many copies of it, but Brass Birmingham, I'm one of those people. I'm one of the people who got it up 
uh, to number one because I oh I don't think I gave you. it a ten. I think I gave it like a nine five. Yeah, personally, me personally, I own wow five hundred accounts, and I went in there. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> Got all your bots going, right? Yep, yep, botted it up. Um, but Brass Birmingham is yeah, it's just it's the perfect sequel um, to an already very good game. Yeah, I I completely did not like Brass. Not even a little bit when I first played it. And then Birmingham is just like, oh, no, this is a different game. And it really is. So, yeah, yeah, Birmingham for me as well. All right. All right. Brass Birmingham moves on to the next round. All right. uh, Next up, we have number seven, Carcassonne versus number two, Spirit Island. Carcassonne, Spirit Island. Uh, I I guess it's just basically uh, Meeple Invaders taking over land. It's which which game on that, right? That's what we're looking right, at. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Are we the invade? Do you want to be the invaders? Do you want to fight them back? I, mean, I want no to fight them back. So. No one said, I mean, there's robbers. Out. There's robbers in Carcassonne. They go on the roads. Oh, so. sure. <laughs> sure, yeah. But maybe they're just hungry and trying to take care of their family. You don't know. Ah, Jean Valjean is what you're saying. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it is, it is yeah, French. Yeah. It's a French game. It's French. We know why the colonizers are on Spirit Island. We don't have to. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm going to go um, with the gods here, Anthony. I'm going to go with Spirit Island. Same, yeah. All right, Spirit Island moves on to the next round. All right, so our last little bucket of eight here before we get into the final 16. We have number 16, Suburbia, versus number nine, Through the Ages. Ooh. Wow. Right? You want the best city builder or the best <laughs> Civ game? I mean, you build this is literally bu- what how, how I got into computer gaming, which is sure. SimCity and then Civilization, and it just went back and forth for like three years when I was 10. <laughs> I mean, technically, you're you're building civilizations up in both. So true, true. Yeah, I'd rather play suburbia. I I, I don't want to say that out loud, but honestly, I'd rather play suburbia. <laughs> I feel <laughs> I feel like I'm disappointing all the history teachers I've ever had who are just like, uh, come on, Chris, come on, come on. Yeah, I know. It's it's funny because for me, I'm like, if you put these out there, I would it would be equal. I'd be like, I will play whatever somebody. Yeah. Would, like these are both brilliant. I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give Suburbia the edge here, if only because I'd rather play this one at the table. Like they both have great apps, but if you put them at the table, in terms of like time investment, yeah, I, like Through the Ages is the best Civ game for me, but it's not the one I would most want to play. I agree. Physically. That's the same thing for me too. Uh, I, I think Through the Ages is a is a, is a superior game, but. My criteria for making a decision is what both tables happening. I'm playing Suburbia. Right. Yeah. All right. I mean, Suburbia moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, Next up, we have number five, Underwater Cities versus number four, Marvel Champions. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I love both of these games. That's so hard. You go. I'll think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look, Fantastical Worlds just... Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'd rather build a civilization than than fight the baddies. So I'm going to go with underwater cities. Yeah, I know it's. Um, so this is tough. Like underwater cities is the best version of this type of game, right? Sure. The hybrid, you know, tableau builder, building something up on a map thing, which is a genre now apparently because there's like ten of them. Um, <laughs> it's the best one. It's still the best one because it manages the deck issue. Yes, like. Everything else, I don't care. Like, I, I like the rest of the game, too. But it's that one thing. And no one else is doing it, which is insane to me. We keep releasing games with 400-card decks, and they're like, go figure it out. It's, it's ridiculous. So 
I'm going to go with Underwater Cities, even though I love Marvel Champions so much because I mostly play Marvel Champions by myself. So like if we're using your criteria or any of the four criteria I've come up with for myself, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep changing them, it's going to be Underwater Cities. All right. So Underwater Cities moves on to the next round. All right. Number three, Viticulture versus number 11, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Ooh, both fancy games about fancy people doing fancy things and yet utilizing workers because I, I guess that's what fancy people do. Mm-hmm, I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the game that I rather play at the table just because I know it has a definitive end, and that's gonna be Lorenzo. Uh same. Same. I like Viticulture fine. I've never loved it. Uh there's other worker placements I'd rather play. There's other wine games I'd rather play. <laughs> like I'm gonna play a wine game, I'm gonna play Vinos. So Lorenzo for me as well. All right. So Lorenzo moves on to the next round. All right. And then our last matchup before we get to this final 16 is Lords of Waterdeep at number seven versus number 15, Teotihuacan. I think with the expansion, Lords wins it out for me. Uh, To be fair, I have not played all the expansions for Teotihuacan. Yeah, I have. And... it's brilliant. So I'm going to go with Teotihuacan. Um, oh. We've got that big deluxe one coming out soon, so everybody can have the expansions. Ooh, that leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. All right, our listeners in this case, and this is probably because Teotihuacan was a number 15 and most people had it knocked out by Gloomhaven, uh, is Lords of Waterdeep. All right, Lords of Waterdeep moves on to the next round. All right, um, so we have 16 games left. We're going to kind of rapid fire these because, again, we've, we've talked about them now twice. Um, but the first one is interesting. <laughs> number one, Terraforming Mars versus number 12, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on notice about that one already. Yep, I, we've both mentioned this, that we feel like it's a better game. It's more interesting. It's more engaging. It solves a lot of the problems. It's prettier to look at. So... Yeah, I agree. All right, so Terraform Mars, Ares Expedition moves on to the next round. Uh, number 14, Russian Railroads versus number 10, War of the Ring, second edition. War of the Ring, second edition. Yay! Same. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like you just got to decide that because I'm like, you all know what I'm thinking. <laughs> War of the Ring, second edition moves on to the next round. Number one, Arc Nova versus number five, Quacks of Quedlinburg. It's going to be Quacks. Yeah, I think it is. It's funny. I was just talking smack about this game, but I, I think I like it better than Arc Nova. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Quacks moves on to the next round. 14, Star Wars Rebellion versus number two, Lost Ruins of Arnak. Star Wars Rebellion. I mean, Yeah. yeah. It's discover- It yeah, has a lot of discovery to it, and I think that's also a lot of fun about it, the game as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots lot of overlap there. All right, so that means that Star Wars Rebellion moves on to the next round. Uh, number one, Di- Scythe. I almost said Dune. It's not number one. Uh, number four is Dune, though. Dune Imperium. So Scythe versus Dune Imperium. Mm, a little bit harder, but I'm still I'm sticking with Scythe. Uh, do an Imperium for me. All right. That leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. What do they have to say? Uh, listeners are still on that Scythe train. I don't know if the sequel kind of got them hyped up again or what. But All right. That means Scythe moves on to the next round. 
Number three, Brass Birmingham versus number two, Spirit Island. Tough game. Real, wow, really? Yeah, I would pick either of these, honestly. I, yeah. I, like them, I think equally. I think they might even be right next to each other on my list. <laughs> so. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Spirit Island. I think Spirit Island, just because the variety of spirits and the different countries that can invade and the different map setups and player player count i I think that just it steps it a step beyond for me yeah i'm with you i think so for all those reasons um brass is a great 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 game but spirit island has so so much depth to it all right spirit island moves on to the next round okay uh number 16 suburbia still kicking somehow uh versus number five underwater cities Ooh, both civilization building game, but the, the harder of the two, because it's underwater, is underwater cities. Yeah, same for me. Um, I love suburbia. I've mentioned all the reasons why, but underwater cities is the best at what it does. All right. Underwater cities moves on to the next round. Number 11, Lorenzo Il Magnifico versus number seven, Lords of Waterdeep. That's also another hard matchup, but I think for the added crunch, I'm going to go with Lorenzo. Yeah. 100% for me, you know. And I know we say we have to include all the expansions, but I still pretend that that last one doesn't exist. I don't even know what you're talking about. Yep, well, there you go. We're on the same page. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right, final eight games here. Running them down. We have number 12, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, versus number 10, War of the Rings, second edition. Does this break it? This could break it. Does this break it? Hmm. No, it doesn't break it. War of the Rings 2nd Edition. <laughs> Close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, again, you take the better version of one of the best games. It's hard to say. But, All right. War of the Rings 2nd yeah, Edition moves on to the next round. Uh, number five, Quacks of Quedlinburg versus number 14, Star Wars Rebellion. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, same. Uh, and we're going to have a rematch coming up here in a minute from uh, one of our versus episodes. <laughs> yes. Uh, number one, Scythe versus number two, Spirit Islands. Uh, it's Spirit Island for me. What do you think? Spirit Island. Yeah. Spirit Island is oh, on cool. to the next round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. And last one here in this group, number five, Underwater Cities versus number 11, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Card play, man. Card play. Tableau building. Underwater Cities. Yeah. yeah, this one's closer than you might expect for me, but I, I do really. Oh, I, I keep saying it. Underwater Cities is great. Um, <laughs> all right, so we are down to our final four, and just to recap, we have War of the Ring Second Edition, Star Wars Rebellion, Spirit Island, and Underwater Cities. So um, our big thematic uh, IP-based games, and then our crunchier Euros. Um, number ten, War of the Ring Second mm-hmm. Edition versus Star Wars Rebellion. And just a reminder for the listeners, because we did this before, um, <laughs> we have an episode. Uh, it's actually our, our most watched YouTube video as well. So mm-hmm. you can go back and listen to that. I believe I took the side of War of the Ring and you took the side of Star Wars Rebellion. Uh-huh. Uh, and I don't remember where that landed because it was episode 121. <laughs> it was a very long time ago. <laughs> um but I'm still team War of the Ring. I still think it's a better game. It's the one I would most want to play. But honestly, this is one of those like apples and oranges things. Sure. Or, you know, apples and slightly different colored apples. Um, 
if you put them both out, I'd be like, can we do both at the same time? I don't know. (laughs) I guess just, I think Star Wars Rebellion gives us a little more variety in gameplay as far as what actually happens. So I'm going to go with Star Wars Rebellion. Leave it up to listeners. Oof. Okay. Um, Both of these are low seeds, so we don't have tons of votes for either of them. But looking through the listener data, uh, all of all everybody who participated in our contest, um, Star Wars Rebellion, come on, you got ah, okay. If only you knew the power of the listeners. Yes, <laughs> and you all know this is how you all know that I'm um, an honest, ethical person because I could have just made that up. I could have just said, "Yeah, the one I like." One, I don't but know. then you had been giving like, into the power of the ring, Anthony, and you're and you're just too good for that. You're too much of a Sam. Yeah, no, darn it. <laughs> Gollum would have done it. Just saying. Yeah, Gollum would have done it. Yeah, I'm glad I'm not Gollum. I guess. <laughs> uh, all right. So, last one. Well, no, we get two more. Uh, Anthony needs to recover. Give Anthony a second to recover from that. I know. Ah, Because Star Wars Rebellion moves on to the next round. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) I'm good. Number two, Spirit Island versus number five, Underwater Cities. Uh. (laughs) You go first. Okay, yeah, so for me, this is Spirit <laughs> Island, um, for all the reasons we mentioned before, like the variety, the depth, the thematic integration, all the interesting things it does. Sure. Um, I can play that, and this is one of those rare games where I feel as comfortable playing it by myself as I do with three other people. It's very rare. Usually these big, crunchy, long games, especially the ones you can play solo, like Through the Ages or Mage Knight, I don't want to play with a full table of people because they take forever. Sure. Um, but this one doesn't really take any longer and it's still fun to do those things and it's so much like working together is such a big part of it so uh, it's a game that scales incredibly well um and now it's even more accessible because you've got like the like the entry-level target version so uh spirit island for me doesn't take anything away from underwater cities which is a brilliant game but spirit island for me I'm going to go with underwater cities i mean for me it's suchi's quintessential euro experience i think it's one of if not the best tableau builders build into an area i mean i have all the kind of respect and love for terraforming mars but if you haven't played it you really should underwater cities so anthony Mm -hmm. our listeners are going to decide yeah so our listeners uh on this one it's relatively close both of these are high seated games um but spirit island uh very well in a lot of brackets a lot of people pick this one to go pretty deep that's crazy. Okay. Spirit Island moves on to the next round, which is all right. Here we are. It's here. Yeah. This is this is a ridiculous matchup. Um, number 14, Star Wars Rebellion versus uh-huh. number two, Spirit Island. Mm-hmm. I don't like they're both games, I guess. They both take a long time. <laughs> they but do. They, what what other ways do they overlap? It's thematics. They're both very thematic. Um, you have I guess they're both rebellions in some way, right? You're fighting off an, an invading force. Both rebellions, just... both using powers that are beyond their knowledge, their spiritual powers. Right, so right. Okay, so there's a lot in common. Never mind. They're the same game. Yeah, invaders um, that are literally white figures on a board, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> literally stormtroopers. <laughs> so against the rebel people that are in beige, so that look like they have houses from Tatooine. I'm just... The Dahan, I mean, they they look like yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. Never mind. Well, what are, what are we even arguing about? Just I don't know. It's either one. They're the same thing. <laughs> it's the same game. It's the same game. Uh, so what do you think, Anthony? I, I, oh, this is one of those. <laughs> things. I have to be in very different moods for either of these games, right? Like Spirit Island is Spirit Island's a funny game because it is one of my favorite all time games. But I have to be in the right mood to play it. There are times when people are like, "Do you want to play Spirit Island?" Where I'm like, "Not right now. I don't. I don't feel it." You know. I have to be in that right set of mind. And, and part of that's just being willing to accept a, a loss in a cooperative game that takes two to three hours. Um, Star Wars Rebellion, I probably would always say yes to, but it's also one of those games of like, because it's two player only and because I have War of the Ring, I don't play this very much because I mm. usually I'm the one bringing the stuff and I'm just like, well, I'd rather play War of the Ring and I'm the one who has to teach it. So let's do the one I like. <laughs> sure. Um, so both of them kind of have their caveats. But for the sake of the fact that I can play Spirit Island alone and there's mm. an app and it doesn't have the barrier of the IP, which some people are not interested in, um, sure. especially now in 2023 when Star Wars it's not as hot as it once was. I'm going to go with Spirit Island. Gotcha. Makes sense. Both great games. Almost impossible to pick. Both give really good stories and have great miniatures on the board. I think for more of the dynamic, crazy kind of interplay and gameplay, I'm going to go with Star Wars Rebellion, Anthony, which leaves it up to our listeners yet again. Yeah, so... This one's almost a little unfair, though, because Spirit Island was a number two seed. Star Wars Rebellion was a number 14 seed. Ooh. And whatever games people like, those numbers affect what they pick when they do these brackets. So sure. Spirit Island has a lot more votes. All right. So it turns out that for our March Gamer Madness, for all our wonderful listeners out there that gave us their greatest games of all time, Spirit Island is our champion. All right. Awesome stuff. And just so everybody knows, we do run our contest. I cannot do the math at this exact moment, but I will be emailing the winner here in the next couple of days, and we will announce it here live on the podcast. Live, live, actually, next week in Long Island. All right, everyone. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye. See ya. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.